As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Ghost Hunting in New England, your favorite spooky podcast. Hello and happy Wednesday. Welcome to this week's episode of Ghost Hunting in New England with your hosts, Amelia and Beth. And today we have such a special interview, or should I say two interviewees here with us. One we've had before many times on the show, and the other is a new friend to us. So please join us in welcoming Christy Parrish, who we all know from the Oliver Estate, but who is now also the event coordinator at the Emory House in Weymouth, Massachusetts. Joining her tonight, we also have Rick Smith of Colonial Spirit Investigators, and we are so happy to have you guys on with us. So welcome. Thanks for having us. Well, thank y'all. I'm excited to talk about things tonight. Great. I can't wait. So Beth had the opportunity to go to the Emory House. She was on the first tour you guys did there. I unfortunately couldn't make it. I'm dying to go. I can't wait to go. But could you give us a little a little taste of what is the Emory House? Let, let's start there. What is it? Well, the Emory House is a home that the town of Weymouth purchased about, I think, 11 years ago. After the former owner had passed away, the town decided to purchase the property, and I think they paid about $1.9 million for the house. Already on the, the property, they had started before the owner had passed away an actual park area so the public could actually come and enjoy walking around King Oak Hill there in Weymouth. I was approached by someone who knew what kind of fundraising we've been able to do to restore and keep the Oliver House in Middleborough self-sustained as far as paying all the bills. So they were looking for something in order to do at the Emory Estate that would, you know, bring it back to life a little bit and also help people be interested in coming and taking tours and, and things like that and get some kind of money going into the estate to start helping with some of the renovation. Now, it's a massive house. It's 5,116 square feet, three floors. It's got the fourth floor that's got the cupola on top to oversee the Boston Harbor and the Boston City skyline. And it sits on the 24 acres along with a carriage house as well. That's part of what we're going to be touring in the upcoming months as weather permits to go outside and actually explore the property. Now, our goal, and this is what I proposed to them when they approached me about it, is I'll only do this if I'm sure that there are things that are actually happening. 
uh, within the Emory estate. It could just be an old house. It could just be an old house. It might look huge, but there may be nothing there that would be interesting for people to come and take the time to tour and then do the events that I do with the volunteers that I work with. They said, well, come walk through it. Come during the day and walk through it. And I was like, okay, game on, let's go. (laughs) And I showed up and there was this huge mansion. I'd say it's early afternoon hours when I met four people from the town. And they took me to the house and I stood outside the car and I just looked at it. And Amelia, Beth, I'm telling you, even though I had resolved in my mind, this is just a big old house and nothing more. I'd already set my sights on that being the case here. I could not believe how it made me feel when oh. I s- stepped out of the car and it kind of, it was like the 4th of July for me. It lit me up like a firecracker. <laughs> if my hair was laying flat, it was standing on end and I hadn't even went inside the property yet. They had not unlocked the door and allowed me to step into it. What makes it special is when you do actually cross through the, the door, the back door is how, how we enter the property. You feel, you can feel it, the warmth, the fear. It's a whole lot of mixed bags of emotions within that house. I, I think it tends to be with the different layers of time that's there that's attributing to what's going on. And it's, it's funny, and Rick can kind of tell you a little bit about this. As we start to talk to more and more people that actually work for the town that go inside that house during the day on a regular basis, we start to really understand that there's a whole lot more for us to have to get to the bottom to because they have a lot of experiences to share, that they have heard footsteps, they've heard the voices, they're uncomfortable in certain spots of it. And these are grown people <laughs> and they're paid to do a job, but they won't do it. They won't stand there for very long. Uh, the Emory project, it's, it's, we're just now getting it underway. And when I appro- was approached with what did the initial walkthrough, I walked away with audio because I recorded the whole time as I was walking through and I recorded a woman's voice in the dining room area saying, she's standing in our former home an acknowledgement of me actually standing in a room and it was a voice that wasn't one of our voices happening in the area at the time. The next step was I started reaching out to some parapeeps (laughs) and I thought, Mm -hmm. all right, this is going to be a a huge project. Fill up the dates and fill up the time slots. And I really need to not just base this impression on my experience. I need to go out and actually ask a group of people from different teams throughout the area to kind of come in and do this initial uh, investigation of the estate and get their vantage, their viewpoints on exactly, well, you know, is this in my head? What are you thinking here? How did your team enjoy it? Because everybody's got a different style of investigation. With Rick, who is here tonight with us, uh, I specifically wanted to ask Rick because I've noticed working around Rick for several years now, off and on during investigations, that he has a real talent for documenting on video. He, he's real tech savvy when it comes to that. And I really kind of, I, I hope I can say this, I suck at that. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I buy security cameras and set them up because I don't have to do much with them after I get them set up. But now he has a real passion about that. And that stood out to me. Uh, We also spoke with the ladies that did the tours of the Lizzie Borden bed and breakfast. 
And so we've got two of those uh, ladies that have come on board to help out. We also have Matt Warner of Warner Paranormal that will come in when they're not busy doing events on their own to help out. But it was a good, well-rounded group of people. And we've added more along the way because now they're starting to hear about it. I thought, oh, I want to help out. Okay, fine. Great. Come and volunteer. There's always room. So I'm excited about it. What makes it special is the fact that we're going into a house and the Emory family were very religious people, very religious. And so that was our first approach was trying to remove the stigma for some of the energies there thinking that this is, this is bad. This is bad to be able to talk because this goes against what we stand for. This is against our religion. So I went in the first day and just kind of said to them, if we continue to come here and talk and try to learn more about you and you learn from us, I'll tell you what this will do. And I want you to think this through before we come back. This is going to be a wonderful way for you to spread the word of God. And that's what you did uh, when you were around. You can continue to do that. And we want to honor that and allow you to have the opportunity to do that as well. And that's the approach. And it seems like everything seems to be working thus far. Right, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, the very first day I arrived, as soon as you get out of the vehicle and you stand in front of the house, you automatically feel like there's people looking at you out the window. That's the impression I got. 100%. 100%. I was expecting curtains to move, things like that. Um, But once you get inside, you you definitely feel like you're being watched. And and the the day Christy and I were just cleaning the house, it was just us two. That's the most activity I've ever seen during the middle of the day. We were hearing conversations, footsteps, things like that. And it was... It was it was it was overwhelming at first because I, I but you, you get used to it and and uh, and you show that you care and you're cleaning the house for them and I think they were a little overwhelmed with the with the first uh, group of people that come in you know things got stirred up a little bit but I I'm so glad that Christy reached out to me to be part of this project because I, I it's we're only scratching the surface yeah I was telling Rick I said this is how it this is how we start. When we were in there, we were, had the elbows going and we were scrubbing bathtubs that raccoons had pooped in and everything oh, yeah, else. I mean, living. it was just really, really <laughs> gross stuff. We were digging our, we dug our heels in like solid for hours up until Friday night. What about nine o'clock? We started at about noon and kept going until about eight or nine, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Just cleaning. Yeah, it's right around there. And um, I said, this is how it's done and it's done right. If we're ever going to make a connection, First, we have to show them how much we care, and they're going to watch this. I had to fart on one of the ghosts uh, because it got a little bit too close to me when I was bent over in the bathtub. And I've always been taught that, you know, if you're if you're gifted, then they can kind of jump you. And our defense mechanisms is to cough. But I was bent over and in a tub when I heard it right behind me. And it scared me. So my defense mechanism was too far on it. So I asked about it <laughs> the next day and I asked about it and it answered. Yes, they knew that I did that. <laughs> it's, oh you know, it's, you're all just getting to know each other, right? Yeah. I know. And they'll know my well smell from anywhere. <laughs> they'll, they'll say next time I walk in, oh, there's the crop duster. <laughs> I, I have to say that this, flame. The, the, the strangest thing that happened to us was I was on the third floor. Christy was on the second floor. Like she said, we we're cleaning the bathtubs. And I thought I heard her talking. So I, I yelled down to her. I said, are you talking to yourself again? 
and it was complete silence. So I just let it go. And a couple minutes later, she comes around the corner up the stairs a little bit and says, who are you talking to? I hear a man talking. I said, I hear a woman talk, a woman talking. And that's what was going on. We were hearing a conversation between a man and a woman. And I thought it was her. She thought it was me. It, it, it happened more than once. Wow. Yeah, you know, that's, so. that's why. They were probably saying, Rick, that girl downstairs pooted on Jeffro. <laughs> <laughs> and then they were probably saying to me, stop pooting on us. We're going to go upstairs and tell the guy on the third floor. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't mess with him. No, no. It, that was really a cool thing with the voices that we were experiencing both on different floors at different times. But, you know, there's also the things that are recorded, and Rick can talk a little bit about this, in an absolutely empty house. Yeah, you know, I'm the first one to try to debunk everything. So we're going to go back and we're going to try to do things. over. But I had an um, infrared light and I set it up on the floor. It's on a little stand. Because I, I, what I did was I, I threw a couple of cameras up overnight just to see, you know, what kind of activity or what kind of sounds are during the night. And about 45 minutes after we left, it got knocked over. And I'm thinking, all right, I must have set it up wrong. But it looked like it kind of got kicked over. And that was on the second floor. And I had a camera on the third floor in this one room. And a lot of strange things were happening around the camera. I got this really strange electronic voice that came through, electronic sounding. Mm. Um, it sounded like something tipped over in the room and rolled around on the floor. And uh, there was a, another, another section was I had this little flutter of light come down the hall and I had a little, uh, one of those little cat balls, a little cat toys mm-hmm. in the doorway. And that instantly lit up. So this, there's a lot of, there's a lot of debunking to do, but there's also a lot of curious things mm. uh, discovering, you know? Well, those are yeah. very fun things to have seen happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I have my own film, so I'll share them. Uh, and they I all happen, yeah, please do. All on one night. All in one night. The first night. First the night. Very was first night. Wow. So. Wow. That that you know, and it's when we went up there, right? And and I went up for the the first night opening ceremonies and everything. And uh, I got the sense as I was in the house that there was really not a lot of activity. And I'm like, I I think that if there is activity, it might just be tamped down right now because of all of these strangers walking through the house, right? Yeah. Um. And then uh, I ended up having to leave early. So I'm sorry I had to go, but I did have fun while I was there. And I I do think you did kind of touch on something about there was a lot of people in and it kind of was kind of subtle because this was our first attempt to bring a group of people in and we brought two groups we brought up to 26 people to the house in Mm -hmm. one night into a house that doesn't see people like that and so you have to kind of introduce it in phases so the plan to do a public ghost tour first is our first event was kind of like ripping the Band-Aid, mm-hmm. kind of showing them this is as many people as you're going to see for a while, or and then our next one will be like a six-hour investigation, much smaller. And this is the other thing that we're going to do. We have to introduce it to the energies there in phases so that they're ready. And to also study um, on from our vantage point how much is too much in a house, because each house will have its limit of how many different people they're comfortable around coming out in front of. So it was, everybody was guinea pigs. I'll admit it. But uh, I did learn something from that night and I had to get away to try to readjust to suit the house and to make people's visits very 
very interesting and fun and enjoyable. And I hope you did enjoy it. Oh yeah. It's very much so. I we've got pictures of the house from many years ago and there was a state where they went through and they actually remodeled and they did the wallpaper and we believe around the 1980s timeframe is when they redone a lot of the rooms, but we have pictures where they didn't have wallpaper on some of the walls and you can actually see the furnishings, the furniture Mm. and how it was set up. So we kind of have a blueprint to try to put it back together a little bit the best we can and try to make them feel even more comfortable with us being there when we offer these sort of things to them over time and might get on our word about things, which is restore their house. And how much of the history have you all been able to kind of go through? Like, and are you, do you know everyone who's lived at the house since it was built? Do we like, do you have an idea of who might be there? Are we still sussing it out? We're still in a state of assessment, but we are learning bits and pieces and layers over time. We did a a show called Scared and Alone uh, that was produced by Co-Conspiracy Productions and and that is where we put ghost bait, a girl inside the house and lock her in. <laughs> and she's there all by herself. But one of the beautiful things about working on uh, different programs and shows like that is they have a whole band of researchers. One of the energies that feels like people uh, are having somebody stare in the windows from the outside of the house, inside the house. Um, his name is actually uh, Daniel. It's an accident that happened in 1886 where um, this man actually was visiting his brother in Weymouth. This Daniel was visiting his brother there, and um, he had decided to go out for a walk. And a couple of hours had passed by, and he hadn't hadn't come back to his brother's house. So they just kind of felt some concern. You know how you just get these feelings of dread or something's wrong, something doesn't seem right. And they started to walk around the area and uh, they found him hanging in a tree uh, at King Oak Hill. Mm. So there's some ties there with some tragedy. Um, We do know through their research, they found where there was an accident at the bottom of the hill where um, a cart, uh, a carriage that had a little boy inside of it actually flipped over and the little boy died in that accident. Um, he was young. I think uh, his name was Timothy, I think is what they said it was. They picked up uh, during their investigation a lot with the boy, the little boy being down there and really kind of, it kind of, it ties up to something that when we did our event, there was a young girl there as a guest investigator and she was in the basement and actually was able to see a little boy that was hiding in the basement and she started to describe him and he was just afraid. He was, he was terrified. He didn't, he was afraid of either us or something or someone, but she's like, he's just hiding over there in that space, that open space right there. She started to describe him. So there might be something to that as well. As far as the house, it's from 1903. That's when it was built. And the uh, man that, that built it, he fashioned it exactly as a replica of George Washington's Mount Vernon. He had a lot of money. His name was William Benning. Benian. He had traveled all over the world and loved the Boston area, but he also loved the fact being up on King Oak Hill kind of was like having his own castle. 
to where he could look at Boston as well. So uh, construction started and it completed in 1903. And he lived there with his wife and their children, but not a long time. Uh, she passed away about five years after the house was completed and they had set up home there from lead poisoning. Uh, and I think he had children and was kind of overcome with grief and it was a hard place for him to stay. So he sold it to Mr. Emery. He was a wool merchant at the time and they were very wealthy. So the Emery's took possession of the house and it just got passed down through generations and generations until currently it's now owned by the town of Wayman. That's a nutshell history. <laughs> <laughs> of what we've learned, but there's more, there's more coming uh, as we go through. Uh, we do know uh, that Billy Graham was a very close friend of the uh, family and actually had a, a bedroom there that he would mm. stay in when he oh, would wow. retreat here in Massachusetts because the Emory's were really huge campaign like supporters when he did all of his uh, crusades and things like that. Uh, they supported him a lot <laughs> and we're really close to him. So that's a really interesting tie as well, I think, to the property. It's, it seems to be an active bedroom too. It is. It's a little bit unnerving, I've got to tell you. <laughs> oh, interesting. It, it kind so, of uh, frightened me the last event that we did just a little bit because I can't explain what was going on. So what room. was going on? Like, what have you felt in that room? Uh, well, that's where I was. I actually crop dusted somebody uh, is in his bathroom. I was between the bathtub and the toilet when they snuck up behind me. I, I freaked out, didn't know what else to do. So I'm sitting here as we're going through the tour and I, I, I'm like, should I spray some spray? Is it remnant smell in here that's going to offend? People will think there's a demon because it smells awful. But the bedroom actually has this big desk in the center of the room. And I know it's not supposed to be that way, but that's how it currently is set up. When I was investigating later that night, it was the last tour. And I was upstairs with Matt Warner and his daughter, Kara. And we took Kara and we put Kara in the closet and shut the door. Because, <laughs> you know, kids love to be in closets. Um, so she had her little flashlight and she went in the closet and we shut the door. We started a spirit box and it it came across the spirit box immediately, release her, the child. And I was like, whoa, they think we have her trapped in the closet. <laughs> but there, you couldn't shut it all the way. There was still a big crack. Then the device on the floor that was set uh, right outside the closet started to go off and the light started to circle around as it was tracking some kind of movement. And it wasn't long after that, I was sitting in a chair and I had my my arm on the table and I would put my head on my arm and I was leaning on that, that desk that was there. And Matt was on the other side and he was kneeling on the floor and he had his arms on the table. All of a sudden it started to vibrate. It started to shift like in between both he and I, and it was a really strange feeling. And he says something to me about it. And I had been sitting there feeling it. And I thought, well, maybe I'm just frozen. And it's my body reacting to it. But no, it was physically moving. That table was shaking. And then it was shortly after that, after we recognized it, that there was a tap, like somebody was under the table, tapping up on the center of the table. And you could hear it and you could feel it underneath you. So, yeah, that took a 
an old school round Christmas bell out of his bag and he put it and had a little rope on it. He said, so maybe we're feeling this, but if it's really doing this, then we're going to see this, this ball shake or move. And it happened. You know, I saw the, sh- the rope shift. I saw the ball move. He did two. And I was like, this is, this is crazy. <laughs> this is crazy. I don't know if it was payback, uh, you know, where they were trying to get me. <laughs> but uh, definitely something. Yeah. It was it's super heavy. It's got to be what do you say, 150 pounds, maybe? Yeah, it, like it's that. not a small desk. It's it's a it's a good sized desk. You can't yeah. just move it. No, it's a, no. it's a two or three person lift. I think exactly. so. Yeah. So I was pulling out drawers and I was looking for critters. You know, thinking, well, something's in this desk. You know, and we just I was expecting to pull out a drawer and there'd be a little mouse sitting there looking up at me, and you know, I'd be like, oh, well, where there's that, but nothing. Nothing. The drawers were empty. No rodents. Um, the strange thing about that bathroom, too, is they have two mirrors facing each other. Yeah. It's just kind of odd that you see two mirrors facing yeah, each other. Along one wall to the other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, you basically you look into it and you can see to infinity. Yeah. It's just, it's the infinity feature. mirror setup is, is incredible. And that is that's kind of strong as far as uh, giving spirits the ability to come in and out or communicate with us. So we haven't done anything with it yet, No, <laughs> but, but I will, I mean, I, I will, I will try to set up some kind of, um, I think maybe when we do our pro night event in April, we should try to do some kind of experimentation to where we have a person position between the infinity mirrors and try to see if we can open up and get some real responses, or maybe they'll even see something. Mm-hmm. So it's something to play around with. I'd like to try it. We just got to have somebody that's strong willed and willing to go in there, no matter how spooky it might get. So. Well, that person won't be me. Uh, looks like Rick <laughs> is volunteering. Um, I am, I'm actually, I'm very freaked out by mirrors. I'm one of those people where I really do believe they can, um, you can open a vortex through a mirror. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> so if you're going to get something, I would believe in front of an infinity mirror is where you'd get it. So I, fully believe it but god bless you rick if you you want to be the person to try that so what what else like what's uh what other rooms are you getting a lot of activity out of this home sounds so big i imagine probably a few places are quite haunted the third floor the third floor yeah i'm I'm with you there go ahead rick take it away well well, this this is one room uh, it's, it's, looks like the master bedroom on the floor. I, I would guess I'm, I'm not positive, but it happens to have the Amityville evil horror windows, you know, that the, the little half windows. And what was strange about it that I noticed it has a type of lock on the door that you would put on the front of your house. So you could lock it from the outside and lock it from the inside. And it's a big, massive lock. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and I don't don't know why, but um, this is where I was getting all the activity with the electronic voice and the moving and the shuffling around. And there's a closet there that um, it was totally empty. Everybody's gone through it. The town has gone through it. The family's gone through it. I poked my head in there and looked to the left. And sure enough, there was a little nook. And I reached in there and I pulled out a hand-carved cane. It was carved and the head of it was shaped like an eagle and painted black. And so whoever owns that cane, that had to be in his room. And it just, it just, it gave off a strange vibe, you know, um, an empty house. We thought it was totally empty. People have gone into this closet. 
and I just happened to reach behind there and there it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's probably going to be a trigger object in the future. Mm-hmm. It was just waiting um, for you to find it. Yeah. It's strange it, that, and yeah, that, that, I would say that room and there's a little tiny room right before there to the right. I always feel every time I go in there, your, your hair stand up on the back of your neck. You feel like someone's cowed in the corner, uh, being punished for something like someone was um, like an adolescent who was sent to their room. And I just felt like they were afraid of us there. So we, we have some work to do up there. But that end of the third floor was where I felt everything. So one of the one of the things that we kind of talked about when uh, we went on the tour uh, was the idea of, you know, in even as late as the 1960s, if you had a person in your family who had, you know, an intellectual disability or an old person got dementia, you know, they just got locked on the third floor. And so that 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 makes a lot of sense that there would be a lot of pain up there. Yeah, they either locked him in so he wouldn't wander around or maybe there was valuables that they were keeping in the room too. Mm-hmm. It's really don't know. I really like, uh, I'll say the second floor where Billy Graham's room is and you know, that bathroom, the little small bedroom right outside, like when it travels through out of the Billy Graham's, the bathroom and into the back room. Mm-hmm. I really like that particular space. And it seems like that to me is where I get lit up a lot of time when I'm just walking through and past or whatever I was dusting the, the thresholds and stuff <laughs> when we were cleaning on that Friday mm-hmm. when I was on the second floor. And I was like, you could just feel them coming right up to you. And I don't know if they were trying to criticize me because I don't clean the best in the world, but I was doing all I could, you know, for it. And I kept telling them, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. <laughs> but maybe they weren't coming up to criticize, Christy. Maybe they were maybe coming they up were- to say thank you. Maybe and that, that's, and, that's where the light yeah. got kicked over too. It was on that mm-hmm. landing right where she's talking that we had a, a light set up and that's where it got moved in the middle of the night. Yes. Oh, the camera that got kicked over. Yes. Yeah, it was, it was a big IR light, very, very heavy infrared light. Okay. So you don't think it was a raccoon that came back to you? No, it's all, no. on film. It's all, it's all <laughs> on film. So we'll see. No, no, but I mean, 10 out of 10 would recommend people go. It's clean. <laughs> I think a lot of the credit needs to also be given where Rick and I worked really hard. There were other people as well the town. Uh, town with the people. town that came over. We had uh, the town's master cleaner come with a big van full of chemicals and say, what you want to do? I got it for it. He was dropping off jugs and giving us rags. And, uh, it was funny, know. though. They, they did it quickly. They didn't like being in there by themselves for too long. No, one guy even just left us the vacuum cleaner. He says, I got to go. (laughs) He left it for us. So if we needed it, we could go through and vacuum later. Mm -hmm. Uh, But later he came back that night and he actually uh, was helping to park the cars and solve the sidewalks because we had that that weather system coming through. But he's quite a good guy. Yeah. Oh, so when Sean and I left. He, the guy that was outside and was like, oh yeah, your car's over there. Or, you know, you're all done. Or he, he was just, you know, talking, he helped us park when we got there. Uh, he was asking, you know, if his friend was coming out too, or something about his friend had, you know, left and it, it was, it was all kind of weird. And he definitely wanted to get out of there. He was not, he was not interested in staying any later than he oh, and he, he didn't sugarcoat it either yeah. uh, during the daytime uh, because He's been in there several times and he's had his own personal experiences with the footsteps and things like that. And I think 
even that day, the, on the Friday when we were cleaning, there was somebody else in there that had also experienced the footsteps. And mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting how uh, there seems to be this huge stigma still out there to where people experience things and they get hush-hush about it. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't want to tell anybody for fear they're going to look at them like a weirdo or, you know, think, hey, maybe we shouldn't have this person work here anymore if they think this is what they're hearing. It's like a say that ghosts are a form of some kind of hysteria kind of thing, I think is what it is that they used to say. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think we've come a long way in the paranormal community to kind of show where logic applies and where there's something that is really amazing, these beautiful times and what we're asking for the other side to show us and share with us. And yeah, (laughs) but when you get one of the people that works there saying, I won't go to that third floor, you know, forget it. You know, you really have to stop and take stock in that. What exactly are we dealing with here at the Inland State? Yeah. And so if people are interested in taking their own tour or going to one of the events, I know they're always selling out really quick, but do you have any coming up, any that are open for the later in the spring? Mm-hmm. Uh, we just posted um, our pro night for May, which is going to be Saturday, May the 14th. And that's from six to midnight. Again, this is a, a very limited amount of people to keep it small and intimate uh, with this huge, massive house individual team how are we going to get them all scheduled because there's a lot (laughs) but there are also uh, a lot of teams want to just come in and explore it on their own completely we still have to have coverage uh someone a volunteer there in case there's an emergency but we're going to start announcing dates and putting a calendar up for people to look at of what the open dates and timestamps will be for that we have a pavilion on the property that could hold 165 to 200 people it's yeah. the perfect sort of thing if you want like a haunted wedding venue. Mm-hmm. There's going to be, I think, some historical artifacts that are going to be brought to the house. And it'll. I think it's hope, they're hoping to open it like a museum during the daytime uh, for people cool. to come and view that kind of stuff, which I'm excited about that to see that happen. So, That'll yeah. be very fun. Yeah. So it's like we have a lot to look forward to. In a year, we're going to have more and more and more to where we're going to complete the house and make it come full circle the way it should. (laughs) They're so lucky to have you as the event coordinator for this, Christy, because I I, I don't know anybody else who is as passionate about stuff like this as you are that not even for a moment, are you not thinking about the Oliver house or the Emory estate or manifesting all the, all the right people, objects, everything. Well, trying to, trying to bring the right kind of energy to the table. That's the key is bringing the right people on board uh, that have a passion about it. Their spin and their energy into it will only promote positive energy within the Emory Estate and any other place, by the way, that we might be doing coming up. So (laughs) there's others. They're coming. Watch out. It's going to be like a cyclone. They're here. We're going to take it. We're going to take it by storm. (laughs) Well, thank you guys both so much for coming. Rick Smith and Christy Parrish, if people want to get in touch with you guys, if they want to figure out how they can see events at the Emory Estate, how can they do that? Well, um, the best way right now is going to be through my Oliver House Christy email. It's a Gmail account, Oliver House Christy, all one word, at gmail.com. 
Um, you can also send us messenger, uh, messages as well on Facebook. Get in touch with us there. And then, uh, of course, we'll be talking to each other. We got a group of people and we'll bring it to the forefront and we'll talk it over and try to figure out what's going on. And then we post a lot of videos from uh, the Oliver House, um, mm-hmm. the Masonic Lodge, the Emory State. On uh, We have a Facebook page, the Colonial Spirit Investigations. So if you want to look us up on Facebook or Instagram, there's a lot of pictures and, and uh, short videos. Some are funny. I I actually I just recently followed your Facebook page and there is there's great stuff on there. I I was really enjoying it when I was looking through everything. Oh, great. Thank you. Yeah, of course. (laughs) So thank you guys so, so much for being here. And um, I'm sure Beth hopes to go back. I hope to go. I I can't wait right up the street in beautiful, sunny Weymouth, Massachusetts. And bring pancake with you. (laughs) <laughs> bring my little bird. <laughs> yeah, bring it in the cage. Just bring pancake in there and let's just uh, take a tour with pancake during the day. Pancake would love it. Pancake I love that bird. <laughs> I do too. She's so perfect. Pancake. <laughs> She's my canary winged parakeet that I got over Christmas and uh, she just has my whole heart. Yeah, and she's your ghost detector, too. So she's your own EMF field. <laughs> she can let you know. <laughs> For sure. Right. Well, awesome. Thank you guys so much. Uh, this was great. I, I think this was really awesome. So, right, yeah, thank, thank you. For you. Having us. Had a good time. I actually do. I think I'm going to sleep very well because I've laughed so hard during this episode. Oh, I burned a ton of <laughs> calories, and now I'm going to just go right off to sleep. Oh, perfect. <laughs> good, good. All right. Well, have a great night. All right. All right thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Well, Amelia, that was really fun to have them on. That was so fun. As always, I just love Christy's accent. My goodness. It's it's so nice. And and what fun to meet Rick and mm-hmm. hear about what he's doing and filming. And you guys should, you should go check out the Colonial Spirit Investigations over on Facebook, Instagram, the whole thing. Yeah. PSI. If I was still on social media, I would be checking it out all the time. You are on social media, Beth. Beth pretends not to be on social media and she's very much still on it. I'm really not. I kind of open it up and I scroll through for a couple of minutes and I'm like, and that's being on social media. I know you do that a hundred times a day. You're an addict. My husband, he's always <laughs> like the anti-social media. He's like, oh, I hate social media. Stop tagging me and everything. I'm not posting. And every time I look at him, he is like scrolling through reels on Instagram. I'm like, cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> but it's addicting. I do the same thing. I do. It's it's very addicting. Yeah. But I'm also guilty of posting my entire life on there. Yeah. I'm just trying to not do that. Twitter seems yeah. to be my thing lately. I post my I pets just, a lot. I just have Thundercat. And of course, I send pictures of him to everyone. Yeah. All right, Beth. So we got anything else tonight? No, Amelia. I don't have anything else. I'm just tired and I want to go home and go to bed. This is the second episode that we have recorded in less than three days. Yeah. Hey, I'm leaving for Iceland in two weeks. Can't wait. I really can't wait. Did you book the Blue Lagoon? Lindsay's in charge of doing all of the itinerary stuff. She didn't want to book the trip through Great Vacations or wherever the thing was. I'm like, okay, then you have to book it all. You have to plan it. (laughs) Tell me what I owe you. (laughs) You got to go to the Blue Lagoon. Oh, that's that's what I hear. But we're also staying. uh, So we have an Airbnb right in Reykjavik. And uh, we are not far from the only geothermal spa in Reykjavik. So I think that I may at some point mosey over there. 
you will find that Reykjavik isn't that big. I, that's m- what I understand. And <laughs> everywhere is probably close to that. Okay. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's beautiful though. It's, you're going to have so much fun. It's, it's a very, very beautiful place. One thing to note, Beth, that we looked up, my brother also had to take note of this. At one point he forgot in Iceland, they don't have sarcasm. It's not a thing there. I, I don't, un- I don't understand how that's possible. It's a cultural thing. They don't do sarcasm there. They don't understand it. And they will think you're being serious. What if I laugh like a hyena after I say something that's clearly very sarcastic? They'll probably just think you're a bad person. <laughs> it like, it kind of happened to my brother. We, Wilton and I, <laughs> we went to a bar in Reykjavik and they were having like trivia mm-hmm. and it was in English. And we were playing and like my brother made some like really sarcastic remark and the host, his jaw like hit the floor. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> like, he was just like, he was like mortified. And I was like, he was kidding. <laughs> and my brother was kidding. <laughs> In America, that would have got a huge laugh. What, what did he say? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> it was I don't know. It was like he said something and it was sarcastic and it did not go over well. I was like, oh, geez. I will try to keep my snark in check. Yeah. Good idea. It's very hard. I know. Well, that's all we got. Hey, so send us an email. Ask us a question. Point out something we said that was really stupid. Go send in New England at gmail.com. Give us a review on any one of the places that you can listen to our podcast. If you're listening to our podcast and you haven't given us a review, you're a freeloader. Yeah, I agree. We, we don't ask much. It doesn't take much to give us a five-star review. We don't ask anything. We don't even have a Patreon. And you should just leave us a nice review. Where can you find us, Amelia? On Instagram, at Ghosthunting in New England. Facebook.com, backslash Ghosthunting in New England. On Twitter, Ghosthunting N-E. And that's it. Oh, oh, you know what else you could do? You could go um, listen to us on YouTube. It's the same episodes, but the difference is that my dad listens to us on YouTube. And sometimes he's like, your video only had two views. And I'm like, well, it had a lot on other platforms. (laughs) (laughs) And as always, happy hunting. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.